And do turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 15. I'll read from earlier on. It's page 1083. And on this Remembrance Sunday, we take a break from our series in Matthew's Gospel. And we hear Jesus' famous words, words that will be repeated at services and next to memorials all across the country today. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And our minds naturally turn to those men and women who gave their lives to secure the freedom that we enjoy today. It is one of the ironies of war, isn't it? That it brings out both the best and the worst in people. Uh, It reveals the sickness of the human heart, filled with anger and hatred and self-interest, capable of causing such misery. And yet it also produces memorable displays of love and friendship and courage and self-sacrifice, even to the extent that many have in they literally laid down their lives for the sake of others, a sacrifice that we remember and give thanks to God for today. And so today especially, war gives us a context to think about camaraderie, friendship and loving sacrifice. And therefore it gives us a framework to understand what Jesus says is the greatest sacrifice in history. Uh, For here in John 15, of course, there is a particular context to Jesus' words. Here he's talking the night before he died. Judas has already left to betray him. And so although the disciples would perhaps not fully understand what he was talking about for a few more days, when Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, he was, of course, talking about himself, uh, his death, on the cross. And for us it means that the cross is the greatest display of human love that we can find. Uh, But more than that here, it is a display of friendship from Jesus. An offer of friendship from Jesus. That we can be his friends. And yet what does that really mean? Uh, What is a, a friend? Some people use the term quite loosely. It's quite a weak Words. I use it loosely myself. Uh, anyone that I come into regular contact with, I might refer to as uh, a friend. Uh, for others, though, they reserve the term for much deeper relationships, so that perhaps you'd only end up describing a handful of people as true friends uh, throughout your lifetime. Uh, I don't know where you fall and how you view the term or how you use it. Uh, it it's not important. But we do need to be aware that In the Bible, to be a friend is a mark of real closeness. And to be a friend of God is extraordinary. So in the Old Testament, it is one of the highest descriptions of Abraham that he was God's friend. Or on Mount Sinai, when God was speaking to Moses, in Exodus 33, we're told that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. It's a mark of exceptional closeness to be a friend of God. It's a mark of extraordinary grace. And yet it's not reserved for Old Testament greats. No, Jesus himself became known as the friend of sinners. A friendship for which he is willing 
to lay down his own life. Well, so, in these verses then, Jesus spells out uh, what it means to be his friend. Uh, both what friendship with Jesus entails, what it looks like, and what friendship with Jesus achieves. What does it entail? What, what, what does friendship with Jesus look like? Well, firstly here, it means remaining in his love. See verse 9? Have a look there with me at the top. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Here with this talk of remaining in Jesus' love, he's picking up on the picture of the vine and branches that he's just spoken about. So if you look back back up at verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Like a vine then, Jesus' love is the source of life for the Christian. Love that is shown in his death is the source of our life. Because it is Jesus' sacrifice that brings our forgiveness. It is the judgment that he endured that means that we can be free. Freed for relationship with God and friendship with God. But this love of Jesus is not just the start of life but the ongoing source of life. The emphasis here is on remaining, isn't it? Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. See, to be a friend of Jesus is never to move away from the cross, never to stop relying on the cross, because to do so is to wither. Uh, If you've ever seen the film Saving Private Ryan, uh, then I'm sure you will remember it, perhaps especially the opening scene, uh, which is of the D-Day landing on Omaha Beach in France at the end of World War II. I understand from the testimony of those who were there uh, that it is very realistic, and certainly it's very graphic to watch. By the end of the scene, the sea is red with blood. And one of those killed on the beach is a private Sean Ryan. And we then discover that two of his other brothers have been killed in action elsewhere so that their mother receives the news of the three deaths simultaneously. And yet one brother remains behind enemy lines and so the order is given that a group of eight men go to get Ryan out. That then becomes the story of the film. Uh, But if you've seen it, you'll know that one by one uh, this rescue team forfeit their own lives to save Private Ryan. And right at the end, the leader of this group, who's played by Tom Hanks, manages to whisper out two final words to Ryan as Hanks dies in his arms. And they are, earn this. Earn this. And then it fades to the final scene where we see Ryan, now an old man, And it is clear that he has worn those words like a millstone around his neck for his whole life, never knowing whether he has done enough to earn the sacrifice of those men. Earn this. That, sadly, is how some people view the Christian life. See, they look to Jesus' death on the cross, they do. They realise that it saves us, that it rescues us, But they think that Jesus whispers to us, earn this. Live in such a way that you will have deserved my death. 
or perhaps you've never thought about it in quite those explicit terms, but you realise that actually that is the way that you viewed the Christian life, your life. But Jesus doesn't say that. No, he says, remain in my love. His last words were not, earn this, but it is finished. It is finished. The work of bringing us into friendship with God is done. It doesn't need to be topped up. It doesn't need to be completed. It is complete. It is finished as Jesus dies on the cross. And so as he dies to rescue me, Jesus doesn't say, earn it, Ed, earn this. No, to me, he says, Ed, it is finished. Your sin, past, present and future, is all forgiven. I've paid off your debts. To us, this is a free gift. You, You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. You've done nothing to deserve it. But because Jesus loves us, because he counts us his friends, he has died to pay for our sin and bring us back into a relationship with God. There's nothing we need to do. There's nothing we can do to earn Jesus' love. But we can remain in it. We can depend on it. We can rejoice in it. Because the cross is all we need. When we keep rooted there, or then we will bear fruit. That's the first mark of friendship with Jesus. It's remaining in his love. And secondly, moving on, it will mean obeying his command. See verse 14? You are my friends if you do what I command. And what does he command? Well, especially verses 12 and verse 17, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, at first sight, perhaps it looks as though Jesus is saying, earn this after all. Uh, Do what I say and you will be my friend. Is that that what's going on? Well, no, it can't be, uh, given what we've just said. Uh, Friendship is something that Jesus does for us. Here, He's not giving us a list of things which will earn friendship with him. No, rather, it is a list that characterises friendship with him. If we are Jesus' friends, well then this is what we will do. We will love as he has loved. That means that to be a Christian is to deliberately choose to lay down our life, our desires, our needs, for the sake of others, just as Jesus did. 1 John 3 puts it like this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. To to claim friendship with Jesus is to commit ourselves to follow him. To be like him. Not perfectly. We won't achieve that this side of heaven. Not under our own strength. But rather looking for the work of his spirit in us. But nonetheless, the challenge to us is clear. We are to love one another like this with Jesus' self-giving, self-sacrificial love. I wonder what are the ways in which you have denied yourself for the sake of someone else here recently. I'm sure that for many you can immediately think of some examples. Looking after people who were going through difficult times, praying and supporting someone struggling in the Christian life. 
giving up time, opening up your home, a hundred other things. Well done. Be encouraged. It's a sign of your friendship with Jesus. Keep going. And if for others, actually you're struggling to think of the last time you showed this sort of love for others, then our response is not to be one of guilt-ridden self-reflection. No, instead we're to look once more to the cross. To Jesus' love shown to us. To his friendship extended to us. And then as we trust him as a friend, well, so too we follow him as a friend. To be a friend of Jesus, it is to remain in his love. It is to obey his commands. But there's a third mark as well, and it is to know his business. See verse 15? I no longer call you servants, Jesus says, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. In one sense, it would be amazing enough for us to be called Jesus' servants, wouldn't it? After all, we deserve to be his enemies. Left to our own devices, we live as his enemies. Without the cross, we would face being his enemies for all eternity. What a turnaround it would be for God to say, you're no longer my enemies and I'm going to make you into my servants. And yet God does much more than that. For us. Because here Jesus confides in us. In verse 15 here, that the difference between a servant and a friend is that the servant doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know his master's business. He doesn't see the big picture. I guess many of you will probably know Tennyson's poem, The Charge of the Light Brigade. I had to study it at school. I guess I wasn't the only one. It tells of the doomed British cavalry charge at the Battle of Balaclava uh, that came about because they received muddled orders from their general and were sent against the wrong enemy position, one with heavy cannon fire. Theirs not to make reply, theirs not to reason why, theirs but to do and die into the valley of death, rode the 600. You see, that's servanthood receiving orders and not knowing why, uh, receiving orders and not seeing how it could possibly fit in, but having to obey without explanation. And yet Jesus treats us as friends. He says, everything I have learned from the Father, I have made known to you. In fact, it is in Jesus that this shift takes place. Do you see verse 15? He says, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. Why the change? Well, it's because it is in Jesus, specifically in his death and resurrection, that the Lord has revealed his plans to us. Like the general explaining his whole strategy to the troops, it is in the gospel that we see the purposes of God fully revealed. His purpose to rescue a people to himself, to bring them into eternal life with him. That is what life is about. That is what life is for. And friendship with Jesus means that he reveals his Father's business to us. He still commands us. The difference between a servant of the king and a friend of the king is not that the friend is free to ignore whatever the king says. No, the difference is that the friend is shown the bigger picture, the overall goal. 
and then gets to be part of it. And so knowing what the Lord's plan is, knowing where history is heading, will we bring our thinking into line with the Lord's? So that the things that God is passionate about and wants to see are what we will be passionate about and strive for in our lives. Those then are the marks of our friendship with Jesus. Remaining in his love, obeying his commands, knowing his business. But what does it all achieve? What difference does being Jesus' friends make? Where will it lead? Oh, as we finish, there are two things here, I think. The first is complete joy. Verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. To be a friend of Jesus is to know complete joy. Joy that comes from knowing God's plan for the future. From trusting in and following Jesus as he fulfills that plan on the cross. As 1 Peter 1 says, even though you do not see Jesus now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Do you know that joy? (laughs) The joy of knowing why I was born and what I'm here for and where I'm heading. It is a joy that is stronger than any circumstance in which I might find myself. Indeed, it equips us to cope with those circumstances. As someone once said, if I know the why of life, I can cope with almost any how. It is a thing of great joy to know that the God who created the universe loves us and gave his only son to die for us and calls us his friend. That he wants the best for us, that that he wants our joy to be complete. That's why obedience to his command always leads us into greater and greater joy. Because he will only command the things that are good for us. I think that sometimes people view Jesus' commands as a sort of necessary evil. Although even putting it like that shows how wrong the thinking is. But it's the sort of thinking that says, oh I know that Jesus died on the cross for me and I trust that his death saves me. And so out of gratitude for that, I'm willing to follow his commands, even though they're a real drag. Do you ever think like that? I'm not a bit of it. God's grace to us is to rescue us through Jesus, yes, but it is also to lead us into an inexpressible and glorious joy as we're united to him by the Spirit and as we follow him day by day. Our friendship with Jesus then leads to complete joy. And then secondly, it leads to lasting fruit. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. That the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Well, here again, there's this vine and branch imagery being used. A life of fruitfulness that we can enjoy, so long as we remain rooted to Jesus. And what is this fruit? Well, in verse 8, if you have a look there, it is something that leads to the Father's glory, to God being glorified for who he is, for what life with him is. In that sense, I guess, it's every aspect of godliness and faith in the Christian 
Uh, But there are a couple of reasons why most commentators think that particularly in view here is the fruit of conversions, of new people coming to know the Lord. Let me explain why. For a start, it's because Jesus says that he has appointed them to go and bear fruit. Uh, Most aspects of inner godliness don't require us to to go anywhere, go out into the world. Uh, But evangelism certainly does. But then also, when Jesus says that he wants them to bear fruit that will last, the word for last there is the same word for remain that we saw earlier. Fruit that will remain. Remain in Jesus, remain in his love, like branches to the vine. And branches, in that image, are people. Christians who are brought to the cross and remain trusting in it forever. That's where friendship with Jesus will lead. To complete joy for us and to complete joy for others as we lead them to the Lord Jesus. That is the Father's desire. That is his plan which he reveals to his friends and which he commands us to work towards. That is the goal of our friendship with Jesus. A friendship which shows itself in remaining in his love, in obeying his commands, in knowing his purposes, and which always looks to his display of friendship to us, laying down his life so that we can be free. Are you a friend of Jesus? If so, you can give great thanks. On a day when we remember some of the great displays of human love and self-sacrifice in wartime, we also remember Jesus, that he calls sinners like us his friends and that he has died to bring us lasting joy. Let's pray together.